Pain Science 2, Understanding Chronic Pain for Runners. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, and smarter runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I am the guy to reach out to when you've finally decided enough is enough with your persistent running injuries. I'm a physiotherapist, the owner of the Breakthrough Running Clinic, and your podcast host. I'm excited to bring you today's lesson and to add to your ever-growing running knowledge. Let's work together to overcome your running injuries, getting you to that starting line and finishing strong. So let's take it away. Welcome back. Hopefully you've had some time to process the lessons from last episode. It's going to be a similar fashion today, but just exploring the difference between acute pain and chronic pain and how the brain will start to process and change as the situation becomes more chronic. So if we want to have a quick recap from last episode, all pain experiences are a normal process that the brain thinks is a threat. The amount of pain that you experience doesn't necessarily relate to the amount of tissue damage and the brain relies on many sensory cues, including memory, reasoning, and the emotional process in order to determine the level and severity of pain. So it's working out the importance of pain when it comes to context and what the brain is interpreting to be a threat. So why have I decided to put this episode in this season? Well, chronic pain can be a bit of an issue. It goes beyond tissue repair. In the acute phase, there are some inflammatory components and some blood flow to the area that actually aids in healing. But this phase is relatively quick and most tissue repair will be completed in a couple of weeks, sometimes a couple of months, depending on the blood supply that gets to that area. If there's lower blood supply, there's certain cartilage and meniscal areas that the blood supply is limited. So that healing time, that recovery time is a little bit longer than usual. But once all these healing phases have been completed and the body has structurally healed, pain still remains. I also want to include this because a lot of people with persistent pain get quite defensive and insulted when medical professionals say that it's in your head. And I think saying it's all in your head is a very derogatory, perhaps insulting term for someone who doesn't fully understand how pain is processed. Yes, it's all in your head because it comes from the brain. We know that all 100% of the pain that you do experience is from the brain, but people interpret it's all in your head as you're making it up. It's not real, which is the total opposite. I wanted to read a chapter from the Explain Pain book, which illustrates this quite nicely. And it addresses the, so you're saying it's all in my head argument. And this is probably the most asked question from people learning about the physiology of pain. We have to be honest and say, yes, all pain is produced by the brain. No brain, no pain. This doesn't mean for a second that it isn't real. Much to the contrary, all pain is real. In fact, someone that tells you it is all in your head, implying that therefore it is not real, doesn't really understand physiology. Really understanding this is greatly empowering. 
So it's all about how people interpret and how effective health professionals are at communicating to their patients about pain. So we discussed last episode the power of the brain and how placebos, nocebos impact the the level of pain and the effectiveness of certain treatments. And to solidify the idea that all pain is from the brain also helps explore the phenomenons like phantom limbs and even like people who undergo hypnosis. Like a phantom limb is someone who has an amputated limb or even people who have been born without limbs experience phantom pain. And so phantom pain is like if you don't have a leg, let's just say someone has been amputated from the knee downwards, they can still experience itching or pain or tightness in their non-existent leg somewhere in the foot. Um, Imagine having an itchy foot and no foot there to scratch. These are well-documented phenomena that's been going on for years and experience it, it clearly explains, okay, it's all coming from the brain. All this process is from the brain because if it were from the tissues themselves, there wouldn't be any phantom pain. And the other idea is around things like hypnosis. People can have chronic pain or even people experiencing pain in surgery. That can all go away. And it's been well documented that if someone is under hypnosis, certain people won't experience any pain at all, even undergoing some major surgeries and what hypnosis is doing is tricking the brain so clearly illustrates the the i'm saying pain a lot and brain a lot so i'm getting mixed up all the pain from the brain if you don't have a brain you don't have any pain sums up quite nicely then we go into things like persistent pain so when pain persists and feels like it's ruining your life it is difficult to see how the brain, how it's serving a useful purpose. But even when pain is chronic and nasty, it hurts because the brain has somehow concluded for one reason or another, often completely subconsciously, that you are threatened and in danger. The trick is finding out why the brain has come to this conclusion. I thought I'd play another video last episode. Just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five-day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign-up link is in the show notes, so fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. We had a listen to Lorimer and he had this entertaining, funny way of explaining pain. This one's a little bit different. This is uh, from YouTube and the title is Explain Pain, What to Do About It in less than five minutes. It sums things up really well. It's some really nice illustrations of like a, a hand free drawing all these different concepts while the lady's talking through explaining pain, but verbally you get the message across. Um, it's a little bit more robotic and monotone than Lorimer's entertaining video, but it really illustrates the importance of the brain pain in regards to chronic pain. So I thought I'd play that for you now. Everyone agrees that pain is a universal human experience. We now know that pain is 100% of the time produced by the brain. This includes all pain, no matter how it feels, sharp, dull, strong or mild, and no matter how long you've had it. You might have had it for a few weeks or months. This is called acute pain 
and it's common with tissue damage, say from a back injury or ankle sprain. And generally, you'll be encouraged to stay active and gradually get back to doing all your normal things, including work. Or you might have had it for three months or more, and this pain is generally called persistent or chronic, because in this type of pain, tissue damage is not the main issue. What's less clear, though, is when you're told you have chronic pain, is knowing what's best to do about it. Well, in Australia, chronic pain is a really big problem. In fact, one in five people have it. Having a brain that keeps on producing pain, even after the body tissues are restored and out of danger, is no fun. Some people say it still feels like they must have something wrong. But that's just it. Once anything dangerous is ruled out, Health professionals can explain that most things in the body are healed as well as they can be by three to six months. So ongoing pain being produced by the brain is less about structural changes in the body and more about the sensitivity of the nervous system. In other words, it's more complex. So to try and figure out what's going on, you need to retrain the brain and nervous system. To do this, it's helpful to look at all the things that affect the nervous system and may be contributing to your individual pain experience. What can help is to look at persistent pain from a broad perspective and by using a structured approach and a plan, it's less likely that anything important will be missed. Let's start with the medical side. Firstly, taking medication can help, but only to a limited extent. It is the more active approaches that are necessary to retrain the brain. So using medications to get going is okay, and then mostly they can be tapered and ceased. Some people also think surgery might be the answer, but when it comes to a complex problem like chronic pain, surgery may not be helpful. So if you're thinking of surgery, it's best to get a second opinion and remember to consider all the things. Next, it is helpful to consider how your thoughts and emotions are affecting your nervous system. Pain really impacts on people's lives, and this can have a big effect on your mood and stress levels. All those thoughts and beliefs are brain impulses too, but you can learn ways to reduce stress and wind down the nervous system. This helps with emotional well-being and can reduce pain as well. The third area to consider is the role of diet and lifestyle. Now it turns out that our modern lifestyle might not be so good for us. In fact, what we eat and how we live may really be contributing to a sensitized nervous system. Looking at all the things like smoking, nutrition, alcohol and activity levels and seeing if there are any issues is a good beginning. And these things can go on your plan. Then there's often enormous value in exploring the deeper meaning of pain and the surrounding personal story by stepping back and looking at all the things that were happening around the time the pain developed. Many people with pain can make useful links between a worrying period of life and a worsening pain picture. For many, recognizing deeper emotions can be part of the healing process. Last, but by no means least is physical activity and function. From the brain's perspective, getting moving at comfortable levels without fear and where the brain does not protect by pain is best, and you'll gradually restore your body's tissues. So to sum up pain, 
It comes from the brain and it can be retrained. And when looked at from a whole person or broad perspective, gives you a lot of opportunities to begin. So get a helping hand if you need it, set a goal and begin. So hopefully you can see how this ties into the last episode regarding context, thoughts, worries, and how that relates to chronic pain. Let's put this into an example of, say, a runner. If you had ITB issues or plantar fasciitis and you've had it for several years, begin to appreciate the power of the brain and the potential learned pain. And this concept, learned pain, has come from the book. One of my favorite books is called The Brain That Changes Itself. And I thought I would just read out a chapter just to put it into context and hopefully you can relate this to maybe your ongoing persistent injuries. So this is what it says. What better way for the brain to prevent movement than to make sure that the motor command itself triggers pain? The author of this book came to believe that in these chronic pain patients, the motor command got wired into the brain system. So that even though the limb has healed, when the brain sent out a motor command to move a certain limb, it still triggered pain. So this is what they established as learned pain. The brain has said, if we do these certain movements, it's going to trigger pain. Even when the tissues have healed, that connection, that brain connection to the motor movements is still there. So let's go back to our ITB or plantar fasciitis presentation. What context have you given it to start with? If you start developing ITB pain, how much worry are you giving that? How long have you had it for? And as the months and years go on, the brain starts to be like, if I run, my ITB is going to get sore. That's happened in the past. It always has happened in the past for the last couple of years. Therefore, if I go run again, it's going to be sore. It's going to be irritated. And so the brain will reflect that and say, that's a warning sign. Alarm bells start ringing. Pain is produced, even if it's not doing any damage. So in this sensitized state, the brain is being fed information that no longer reflects the true health and abilities for the tissues at the end of the neurons. Put another way, the brain is being told that there is more damage to the tissues than there actually is. So if you think about it this way, it's like it's a, it's a bit like someone has broken into your tool shed in the past and has done it a few times. So you've installed a super duper alarm system that's infrared and has motion activated sensors and it's just made sure things are just on trigger. Everything's hyper aware, everything's hypersensitive. This is what happens to the brain if you've had pain episodes in the past. It just gets ramped up. I have a bit of an experience. Uh, A couple of years ago, I had shoulder pain. It was a long head of biceps issue. Um, Probably about, oh, looking at about six, seven years ago now. And took a very, very long time for me to get over. And it was initially brought on by me going on holidays for six months, not doing anything, getting back to everyday life once I returned from holidays and starting to get back into the gym. I was doing bicep curls, chin-ups, push-ups, all that sort of stuff. And the tendon flared up and it probably stayed sore here and there trying to get it under control for a couple of months. And I wasn't playing basketball regularly at that stage, but was filling in here and there and tried to return back to basketball 
And whenever I would shoot a basketball or whenever I tried to rebound a basketball, it produced pain in my shoulder and it'd be flared up a couple of days after that. And so I eventually stopped playing for a couple of weeks just to give it time to rest, doing my exercises, building up the strength. And it got to a stage where I was out of pain but wasn't playing basketball. And I'll never forget this. I was driving home from work one day and my mate called me and I was feeling good. My shoulder, no pain. My exercise were doing really, really well. I was getting stronger. My mate called me up and asked me to fill in for basketball that night. And without doing anything, just thinking about playing basketball, I started getting pain in my shoulder again. It wouldn't make any sense if I didn't understand this explain pain book. And once I know these concepts and know why pain is produced, it makes total sense. In the past, my brain has told me playing basketball hurts your shoulder, rebounding a ball, shooting a ball hurts your shoulder. And even when I've been pain-free for weeks, someone rings me up and says to play basketball, the brain says, oh no, that is dangerous for you. That will injure your shoulder. And without moving, without doing anything, I started getting shoulder pain. Really interesting to think about. And there's one example that I've experienced in the past. In this book, Explain Pain, I've got a couple of statements here that I just want to ask you if you can identify with any of these statements. And because people tell me this all the time that I hear in my clinic, and it's a, a bit of a flag for something that is quite chronic. And so I want to just list out a couple of these statements and see if it rings true with anything that you've experienced. So pain comes on when I, even when I think about it, watching someone move even makes the pain hurt. It started off so simply and now it has spread. It's worse on Monday. Now there is mirror pain on the other side of my body. The pain has a mind of its own. I get lots of different diagnosis. You name it, I've had it. It gets better with gin and tonic and also a vodka. It follows a seasonal, monthly, weekly or other cycle. Treatment only gives me temporary relief. My pain gets worse when I'm anxious or depressed. It is the same pain my mother had. The pain moves around my body. And lastly, no one seems to believe me. So what is the solution? What can we do about it? Seeking a health professional who's proficient in recognizing pain, explaining pain, and the brain is a good start. But there are some nice tips in the Explain Pain book to help someone who is in really severe chronic pain. I think the right education is the number one first step to doing what I'm doing now, explaining what chronic pain is so that people fully comprehend and understand it. And then it's about recognizing and empowering you to take control of your pain instead of just being victimized with your circumstances and the level of pain that you're subjected to. And then just deciding what you want to do more of. And there's a bit of an art of a graded exposure and pacing techniques to getting back to what you really want to get back to. First of all, it's all about finding your baseline, the amount of activity that you can do and know that pain won't flare up. That's establishing your baseline and then just doing some pacing and gradual exposure after that and planning your progressions through uh, writing down goals, not uh, freaking out if there is a flare-up, having a, a plan in place if there is a flare-up, understanding that's normal in your circumstances and just putting these contingencies in place and just creating that slow graded exposure back to what you really want to get back to. 
It goes into further detail of other strategies which are outside the scope of what we want to discuss here, but a medical professional or a pain specialist would be a great starting point and would be a great help to guide you through this whole process. Similar to last episode, I want you to reflect on your past and current injuries or any pain that you're experiencing at the moment, similar to my shoulder that I explained before, and understanding what is really happening in the body. Understanding this can actually be reassuring for people and can help build confidence and help empower you rather than going the other way and feeling victimized and feeling powerless and out of control. So hopefully this podcast episode has helped achieve that. Next week, we're going to talk about pain in regards to running related injuries. I know we haven't discussed running a lot in the last two episodes, so let's delve into that next week. I hope you enjoyed. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Running Smarter Podcast. I hope you can see the impact this content will have on your future running. If you want to continue expanding your knowledge, please subscribe to the podcast and keep listening. If you want to learn quicker, jump into the Facebook group titled Become a Smarter Runner. If you want tailored education and physio rehab, you can personally work with me at breakthroughrunning.physio. Thank you so much once again. And remember, knowledge is power.